On today's show, the Atlanta Hawks go to Oklahoma City and emerge victorious. A quality road win for the Hawks. It was not easy. By any stretch of the imagination, the Hawks were in some trouble down the stretch. They were able to get a nice win on the road. We'll have a full breakdown of what was an offensive, offensive performance and more coming up. You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1397 of the Lofton Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Wednesday evening into Thursday. And today's show is brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of the Lofton Podcast Network. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. I also want to encourage you at the top of the podcast to make Locked On Hawks your first listen each and every day. Check us out across podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, all those places where we're to listen to your podcasts. We should be there for you. Today's show is going to be getting into what became a 137 to 132 win for the Hawks on the road in Oklahoma City. It was certainly, as you might imagine, by that score, an offensive bonanza for Atlanta in this game. Defensively, it wasn't always great, for sure. But going on the road and being a competent opponent, the Thunder are pretty decent this year, actually, in a way they haven't been the last couple of years. So uh, coming into the day, as we'll get into in a second, the Hawks had a real challenge on their hands. They didn't play a perfect game by any means. They were up by 15 points in the fourth quarter, almost gave the game away, but they scored a season-high 77 points in the first half. And with this win, the Hawks are above 500 again. That's a nice place to be, and they avoid a three-game losing streak. All, all good vibes on this Wednesday into Thursday. And we'll get into the game now, as we always do on the podcast. Um, this is the second match of the, of the season between the Hawks and the Thunder. We actually lost the first one against the Thunder at home back in December when we kind of thought that Oklahoma City was going to be pretty bad this year, and they're not. But that was a, a one to circle for sure. And just for the record, the Thunder had won seven of the last nine coming in. This is basically a 500 team right now. They've been very good at home this season. So, again, a, a very solid win in a way that you may not, may not expect, especially when you factor in the injuries. So, the Hawks played this game without DeAndre Hunter, who has asthma symptoms. And Akongwu came back after missing the game on Monday with his left hamstring tightness. But uh, just for the record, I don't know anything else about DeAndre. There was uh, discussions about you know him asking questions about his asthma. Um, on the broadcast, they talked about a little bit about it. They obviously has had asthma his, his entire life, I think, at this point. But I don't really have any new information on that. Um, I don't believe David Millen was asked about it. They did not rule him out until after pregame was over. So... I know what you know, at least for the most part. At this point, the Hawks did list him with acute asthma symptoms on Monday. They removed the word acute on Wednesday. But no matter what, he was on the bench for both games. He seems to be okay. So that's a positive sign. But uh, we'll obviously see how that goes into Saturday as the Hawks play again at home. But uh, something to circle for sure. And the Hawks could use him in this game on, on the floor because of his defense and all that fun stuff. But hopefully for DeAndre's sake, he is feeling better in the near future. I have asthma. It's not a lot of fun to deal with. So there you go on that. The Thunder were without a couple of guys as well. Pokashevsky and Jeremiah Robinson Earl. Not huge absences for Oklahoma City, but still guys who have at least played minutes for them this year. And our friends at FanDuel made the Hawks actually a one-point favorite by tip-off in this game, which is essentially a coin flip. Yes, the Hawks were tiny, tiny favorites, but for the most part, that's if you're uh, into betting markets, that's basically a coin flip in a lot of ways. So kind of tells you what this game was projected to be and really what it was for a large portion of the game, but the Hawks emerged victorious in this spot. We're getting into the game now, and it was the same starters again for the Hawks in Hunter's place as they were on Monday with Bogey getting the start for Atlanta. The Thunder are very small at 
center, but they're also big in the backcourt. So they actually switched basically everything for most of the game. That's the way they like to play, given their size disadvantages, et cetera. And they're pretty they're pretty big and rangy. Like Shea's their point guard. He's like a legit 6'5". Josh Giddy is like 6'7", 6'8". Not a great defender, but they have good size in the backcourt. The Hawks were down 10-4 at the outset. Oklahoma City scored 10 points on the first five possessions of the game. The Hawks missed their first six threes. They actually were very good from three after that. They uh, shot 11 of 29 in the game. So you figure that's 11 of 23 after their first six misses. That's almost 50% from there. There. Um, they finally made one, but Bogey made the first one about halfway through the first quarter. But it was the same rotation that you might expect without DeAndre Hunter. Nine guys played for Atlanta. Aaron Holiday and AJ Griffin were the, were the first subs in the backcourt. Um, Trey took his, his midquarter break in the first quarter and not in the third, just something to monitor as I always have been throughout the season. The Congo returned in this game, as I said before, uh, came after came in after a stoppage in the middle of the first quarter. I thought he moved well and looked good. Looked like his normal self, which is a positive sign. And then Jalen Johnson was the ninth guy. He played good minutes off the bench. And uh, Nate McMillan, as we get into later on, credited the bench with some positive play. And I would certainly echo that. Not huge numbers in terms of counting stats from the bench, but they played very well when they were out there. And that was a big reason why the Hawks won this game, honestly, kind of in, uh, in quiet fashion, if you weren't paying close attention to this one. The Hawks, though, really were effective around the rim offensively throughout the game, especially early on. 14 points in the paint in the first seven minutes. Five offensive rebounds. They were kind of bludgeoning the Thunder inside. I thought Capella, Akongwu, and Collins, and even and Johnson as well, kind of in a more low-key way, were very effective using their physicality. They, this is a spot where the Hawks are you know, kind of not small in the front court really ever, but especially when they have Capella and Collins, they are bigger than a lot of front courts and much bigger than the Thunder because Collins is a big four and Capella is not a seven footer, but he certainly plays like one in a lot of ways. That was a, that was an effective spot to isolate in terms of a matchup advantage that the Hawks were able to sort of take advantage of throughout the game. Atlanta did score uh, pretty well all the way through this one. They were up by three points with about a minute to go, but then the Thunder scored the final seven points in about in about a minute, and it could have been nine. They actually missed a layup at the end, so it was almost a 9-0 run in about a minute for the Thunder at the end of the quarter, but pretty absurd offensive numbers. I won't give them all to you in this game because there were a lot of offensive craziness in this game, but the Thunder scored 43 points on 28 possessions in the first quarter. That was a season high for points in a first quarter by Oklahoma City, which tells you all you need to know about that. They scored more than a point and a half possession in the entire quarter. And really, the Hawks were terrible at the point of attack defensively in the first half. They weren't great at any point in the game, but they were certainly like glaringly bad. They were just driving lanes everywhere. Yes, Shea is a star, and that's kind of different. But even guys like Josh Giddy and Lou Dort were just getting wherever they wanted to go for the most part. Shea had 11 points in that first quarter. And on top of that, Oklahoma City did make 6 of 10 from 3, which is going to get you beat a lot of the time. Now, Nate did say this after the game. The Thunder did cool off eventually, and it was just a cool off. Like They were never going to shoot as well as they did in the first half the entire way, but the Hawks were also better defensively as the game went along. The Hawks offensively also were just fantastic in the first quarter. They had 20 points in the paint in the first, and they uh, actually were 13 of 18 on twos. So that was uh, early and often throughout this one. Atlanta had an early 7-0 run in the second quarter, actually, to tie the game. And it was encouraging because um, the Hawks were actually good in both stints without Trey Young in this game. Um, that early run in the second was big. They made their first five shots. They scored 13 points in about three minutes to open the second quarter, and the Thunder stopped making shots. Uh, there actually was a weird thing in the middle of the second quarter. was their only time all, the whole game where the team just kind of stopped scoring. It was like a two-and-a-half, three-minute stretch where nobody scored a point, and the Hawks used some zone. There was some mixed effectiveness there with the zone, for sure. The Thunder missed some shots. Also, the Hawks gave up some um, offensive rebounds in that zone, but they at least were stopping penetration a little bit better than they were early in the game. But defensively, they had all, all kinds of issues. Perhaps the most glaring sequence of the first half was the final 90 seconds or so of the first half, where Shea Gilchrist-Alexander, again, a star-level player for the Thunder, had three consecutive three-point plays 
driving right past and really through DeJounte Murray on all three occasions. DeJounte got called for three fouls in a row in about a minute. <laughs> uh, they got a T for complaining about that. So that whole stretch was just like kind of just hilariously weird and glaring. You know, obviously Murray, I've noted a lot this year, is much better as a playmaker off the ball than actually a stopper on the ball. But without Hunter, they don't really have a great option. Now, Aaron Holiday, my only pushback is, and we'll get into this later on, I wrote this down during the first half, and it was still the case the second half. The Hawks' best defender available in this game, with the, with the exception of Trent Forge, who's not really, not really playing for the Hawks, of guys who were like legitimately options for Atlanta, I thought was Aaron Holiday. Now, Aaron Holiday is probably too small to defend Shea, but he's still their best option of the available guys. Hunter would have been the best option if he was available, but Murray really got blown up at the end of that first half, and that maybe, uh, I think, inspired them to take that away in the second half. They went more with Aaron Holiday, even with Bogey at times in the second half. Anyway, fortunately, Trey Young scored nine points on his own in the last two minutes with the help of a late turnover by the Thunder, and they got into halftime at 77-77. to 77. And as you might expect by the, by the score, it was all offense. The Hawks set a new season high for scoring. 77 points in the first half. My guy, Wes Morton, Peter Hughes, who's actually been on this podcast a couple of times as a guest, found this and passed it along. Only 11 teams in all season long in the NBA have scored at least 77 points in the first half, and both teams in this game did it at once. So it's a very rare occasion, and both teams score that number, which tells you about all the lack of defense in that first half. Positively, the Hawks scored 36 points in the paint and shot 74% on twos in the first half. They got they dominated the glass. They had 18 second chance points. That's a ton. That's more than teams average in a full game, and they and they had that in the first half. Um, passing wise, they were really good. They were, they were really good as well. Um, this stopped in the second half, but the Hawks only had six turnovers in the first half, and that was a good number after, especially after the last couple of games when the Hawks had some real ball security issues. And OKC leads the NBA in turnover creation. So that was actually pretty encouraging. Now, that stopped in the fourth quarter, but still a good marker in the first half. And Trey had 22 points by halftime. Defensively, again, it was largely awful in the first half. Shea had 26. Um, the big thing, though, was that the Thunder were 11 of, 11 of 20 from three in the first half, and the Hawks were 5 of 17. After halftime, that flipped. Not in a huge way, but the Thunder were colder and the Hawks were hotter, and that gap was bridged, and that was a big reason why the Hawks were able to kind of nudge ahead because they were winning the rest of the game, uh, at least on the stat sheet, other than three-point shooting in that first half. And penetration was at least uh, not quite as glaring as the game went along. All right, we'll get into the rest of this game, second half, as, my, as well as my takeaways and my observations, as well as individual breakdowns, all that fun stuff, and a look ahead to what's coming up for the Hawks because it's actually going to be pretty quiet the rest of the week. But first, we get it, before we get all of that stuff, a word from our sponsors on today's podcast. The NFL playoffs are ongoing, and we are very excited about our new sports betting partner for the Lockdown Podcast Network. They are the number one sports book in America, and it is FanDuel. If you're new to FanDuel, that is even better. They have so many great features that make sports betting fun and easy, and new customers can join today to get started with $150 in free bets. Guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Just sign up at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. They have all your favorite bets from money lines to point spreads to totals, game props, player props, and more at FanDuel. Plus, you can combine your bets together for a bigger payout with the same game parlay championship Sunday is actually coming up right now in the NFL on Sunday and the Chiefs taking on the Bengals the Eagles taking on the 49ers in games that are projected to be very very close if you look at the point spreads I know a lot of people will be playing close attention to those results for sure on Sunday you can also get the latest odds and props and everything else with regard to the Hawks that includes the next game on the agenda for Atlanta on Saturday against the Los Angeles Clippers at home and you can do it all on an app that is safe secure and super easy to use so football fans basketball fans don't miss out on this from FanDuel place your first $5 bet to get $150 in free bets win or lose at fanduel.com slash locked on like every moment more with fanduel official sports partner of the nfl 
All right, and for an action-packed game, the beginning of the third quarter was actually fairly quiet on both sides. Other than Trey getting a technical foul, I saw Trey kind of explode about a non-call. I thought it was a foul in real time, and so did he. Uh, so I think he was right. But I initially thought that he actually was kind of a surprising that there was no T called. But then it turned out the official was kind of just waiting for the fast break to end for Oklahoma City, which I actually objectively, as a basketball observer, like that decision by the referee because I hate when refs stop fast breaks to call technical fouls or whatever in the backcourt. So that was good officiating, but uh, Trey probably earned that one from his reaction, I will say. Uh, and also DeJounte got one in the first half. So they were uh, busy with the officials at times in the third quarter. There was actually some turnovers. Uh, really the issues kind of happened the entire second half with 11 giveaways after halftime. But Bogey and Trey had, had a couple of turnovers in the early part of the third quarter to force a timeout. And they were down by five after being kind of right in the mix in a tie game-ish for a lot of that start of the third quarter. They did respond by scoring the next five to tie the game after that. It kept ping-ponging back and forth at a pretty torrid pace offensively they played through Collins a lot in the third quarter to, to some good effectiveness on offense he kept kind of knifing through that zone that Oklahoma City was trying finding his spots he also made a corner three I thought he was really good in this game overall and then when Aaron Holiday came in they went to him on, on Shea and he did a much better job than what was happening in that first half also made a late three for the Hawks in the third quarter to Aaron Holiday and then Trey had it going in a big way in the third quarter he ended up having 32 points and 10 assists at the end of the third. Those are obviously fantastic numbers. He had a great pass to Okongwu for a nice, easy bucket, and then three-point play right after that did Trey. So he was huge in that third, and the Hawks went up by five points at the end of the quarter. They shot – sorry, through that three quarters, they were shooting 59% from the floor. That's obviously excellent. They had a 137 offensive rating for three quarters. That is ridiculous. And they had 109 points in three quarters. That was the most – three quarters this season for the Hawks. And I think it was a top 10 mark in like franchise history for three quarters. So obviously a ridiculous pace of offense throughout this game. The rest of the game was interesting to get to, but I will say defensively, they were better in the third quarter that carried over to the fourth. If you look at the numbers, the Thunder still scored at a pretty decent clip in the second half, but it was notably better the entire way. Now the offense had its worst performance in the fourth quarter, which kind of um, brought things a little bit more interesting as we're getting into right now. So early in the fourth was their best rest of the game. It was a 12 0 run. Dating back to the end of the third quarter. And the Hawks went, went from up by three with about a minute to go in the third to up by 15 points. Their first lead of the entire game by double digits. That was huge. That was capped off by a pretty reverse layup by Jalen Johnson. And honestly, most of that run came, came without Trey in the lineup. So usually, the last couple of weeks anyway, the Hawks have been pretty bad without Trey. In this game, it was the opposite. The Hawks were made huge strides with their second unit. And they were beating up on the, on the Thunder without Shea at times. But as soon as that run ended, it really ended, and the Hawks got outscored um, the rest of the game by a pretty decisive margin. So, again, up 15 points with about, I don't know, nine minutes to go in the game, and that's fairly safe. Not all the way safe, obviously, but it was certainly a good spot to be in. But immediately, a 9-0 run by the Thunder, back to a six-point six game with like seven and a half, eight minutes to go. Uh, in that stretch, DeJounte Murray went missed three-pointer, turnover, turnover. And DeJounte had a very weird fourth quarter. I thought he was like very bad for most of the fourth quarter, but he also had one of the biggest shots of the night that we'll get to in a second and also had a big block at the very end. So kind of a, a mixed bag for sure, but he was pretty bad at times and some high highs along the way. I didn't like after the Hawks were down, sorry, were up by only six that the Hawks went into a timeout and Trey was still off the floor. Now it wasn't like ridiculous, but in that stretch before that, as I just mentioned, DeJounte was kind of out of sorts. And even if Trey come back in then, 
he was not going to be at a super high minutes total for his standards. So it didn't bite them, to be fair. So this is more of a process versus results thing. The results were fine. The Hawks scored on the next two, next two possessions behind Bogey. It was a good uh, adjustment, I will say, to go kind of more to Bogey at that point than Murray because Murray was struggling. But I would have gone back to Trey. I still believe that, even though it worked kind of quote-unquote worked for the Hawks, but still something to circle for the future. The lead was back to 12 again with uh, about five and a half minutes to go after Bogey hit a three. But then after that, again, it was really kind of a crater job by the Hawks. Murray turned it over again, his third of the quarter. And, uh, you know, the Hawks were hot from the floor. They were 7-9 from the floor, but they turned the ball over too, way too much in the fourth quarter. It was actually a big call with about four minutes to go. They kind of kind of was like lost to history where the Hawks were up by eight and Shea drove. And it seemed like it was going to be a three-point play. And it was called an offensive foul. And I, I think it might have been the right call, but it was one of those. It was like kind of kind of a bang-bang play that was ended up being a pretty big moment in the game. Um, they didn't take advantage of it, though. The Hawks didn't score on the next three trips down the floor. And then when they finally did, Trey got to the line only made one out of two. So uh, all that, it was pretty uh, pretty shaky at times. Uh, I will say they got a turnover by Shea, and Shea definitely cooled off as the game went along. Bogey did a good job. Credit, credit to Bogey. You, you would not love Bogey on Shea in a vacuum. I thought he did a pretty competitive job on the stretch and forced a turnover at one point. Uh, he did miss a layup after that, but, but Capella gathered it and dunked it, and the Hawks, again, felt kind of safe up nine with two minutes to go. Uh, but it was not over yet by any means. The Thunder scored on the, on the next two trips. Trey turned it over in the middle and uh, only up by five. I mentioned this before, but Murray hit a huge shot to go up by seven. Um, it wasn't the best process, I didn't think, after he'd been struggling. But he got, he got to a spot, rose up, created good space, and made it. Again, up by seven with a minute to go. And one more time when the Hawks feel like they're probably in a good position. But after a timeout, it was a total meltdown for about 45 seconds of time. So, they allowed a layup in like five seconds out of the timeout, which isn't a disaster up by seven, but you don't want to give – it's probably probably uh, pretty too quick. I would say too quick the way that the uh, kind of process went there. It was just an uncontested layup for the most part going to the right. And then Murray tried to do too much and set up on the baseline for a turnover. So that was pretty rough. And then Giddy scored quickly enough again where the Thunder didn't have to foul. And then uh, with a seven-second differential – and the Hawks up by three. Trey had a terrible turnover by halftime with Jalen Williams, the rookie um, who I love from Santa Clara, made a steal and a, and a dunk. And suddenly, within, again, 40 seconds or so, the lead goes from seven down to one. And now, even though you, you assume that Thunder are going to foul at that point, you can't put the game away. You're up by one, not two. So, yes, the Thunder had to foul, and you got the ball into, into Collins. I love to see Trey Young with the ball in his hands there. But obviously, they couldn't. You can't always do that. So Collins, one of the luxuries of having a big man like, like Collins, who is definitely more of a four, but still, he was playing five at the time. Collins is eighty-one percent free throw shooter, and that's a huge thing. Like obviously, they took Capella off the floor as they should have at that, at that point. But Collins is just a nice place, and that's nice guy that like the Thunder don't mind fouling him there. But he's a really good free throw shooter. Made both. That was, those were huge shots. And then Oklahoma City, kind of inexplicably, I know my friend Seth Partner has been on the show before. I've been on his show before from the Athletic. Uh, he has a, a thing about quack twos, which are you know quick twos. Basically, the math is usually wrong from teams that are trying to get quick twos down by three with that little time. And Shea, um, unless it's wide open, like really wide open, you want to take a three there if you're the opposition. But fortunately for the Hawks, Shea tried to drive. I will say Murray was probably a little bit too aggressive at that point. It worked out. I'll say that Murray had a big block on Shea. But what you don't want to do there is foul a guy on a layup and give a three-point play for the tie. And Murray had already given up, I believe, four three-point plays in the game, touche, at least three. So I was a little bit worried about that. He took kind of a big swing, but ended up working out very well. In fact, the Thunder didn't get, didn't get, there was no shot up at that point, which is kind of crazy given the time and score, but they, they narrowly avoid the disaster there, emerge victorious, and that was the end of that. So 
obviously a lot there, but it was a near meltdown. It would have been one of those losses that I, I guess, unfortunately, are kind of all too customary for Hawks fans in the last couple of years. The Hawks have had some really, really rough blown leads even this season. Uh, it would have been another one if they, had, if they had lost this one. And look, the Hawks were not 15 points better than the Thunder in this game, but they were up 15 points in the fourth quarter. That was, was after the biggest run, but it's still, if you do the math there, you should not be losing 15-point leads in the second half. And it just happened the other day against the, against the Hornets, up 19 in the second half, et cetera. So, uh, fortunately, they avoided it, which is positive. And I will say, I want to start by, by saying about the offense, the offense was excellent in this game. There's no way around that. The offense was brilliant. This is a Thunder team that's not like elite defensively, but they certainly are um, aggressive. They are well-coached, and they're not bad on defense. And the Hawks scored a uh, about 1.3 Points per possession in the game. That is ridiculously good against anyone, especially on the road. They shot 71% on twos. That is extremely efficient. 38% from three. And again, 11 of 23 after missing the first six. So they made some shots when they kind of had to. They actually created 33 free throw attempts. And that's been a problem for the Hawks this year. Other than Trey, they don't really have free throw creators on this roster. And they got that, that's a lot of attempts. And that was pretty good to see. Um, second chance points were huge. The Hawks did a good job on the glass. Six four points in the paint. They were attacking when they could on the interior. They did have 17 turnovers. That's more than you would want, including seven in the fourth. Those were uh, almost what bit them, honestly. If you were gonna, if they lost this game, I would have been ranting and raving about the turnovers in the fourth quarter. But fortunately, they kind of overcame that blemish. And then uh, every starter had 18 points or more. That's very, very impressive, um, especially when you factor in that the bench was also good in this game. Now, defensively, it was a rough experiment. I will be positive here and say it was much better after halftime than before. Now, the Thunder only had seven free throw attempts and 47% shooting in the second half. That's pretty good. And for the game, the Hawks were plus 14 with Shea off the floor. Now, that's not out of the ordinary for a, a star like Shea. You know, Trey has that all the time as well as a good example. But the Hawks needed to, as Glenn Willis pointed out, my friend from Peachtree Hoops, um, they, the Hawks needed to take advantage of Shea being off the floor, and they did in this game. Um, they did – Give up a lot of efficiency to the Thunder the rest of the game, but that was enough. They did lose a turnover battle, but they won the glass. That's a small win, but they also needed one in this game. 20 fast break points is too many. In transition, they were had some rough moments there, but and the point of attack was largely bad. But once they got to Aaron Holiday, once they got a little bit more into uh, some zone and stuff like that in the second half, it was better, and it was just enough to get over the finish line. So we'll have more on the individual players, but... Again, one more time, broadly speaking, this is a very good win for the Hawks. It may not seem like it to beat the Thunder on the road, but A, a road win is a road win in the NBA, and the Thunder are not bad. I know people have a hard time adjusting that. If you're not watching the rest of the NBA, most of I don't blame you. There's a lot, of, a lot of Hawks fans that just want to watch the Hawks, and I get that. So the Thunder were expected to be quite bad this year, and they're not. They're they well-coached and good. So uh, block out all the noise and just say like, this is a good road win in a lot of ways for the Hawks. So anyway, we'll come back to this later on, but we'll have uh, more on the individual players as well as a brief look ahead to the rest of the week. But first a word from our sponsors on the show today. All right, we'll dive into the players now. And uh, it was really good for the Hawks for the most part. Now defensively, there were some rough moments for sure. We'll start with the bench. The guy who played the least was Aaron holiday. I thought Aaron probably should have played more in this game because of the point of attack. Now, I've been saying for a while, he's definitely should be their ninth guy of this group. It should be their 10th guy when they have Hunter. So I'm not like advocating for more Aaron Holiday all the time. But in this matchup, he was so very obviously the best matchup against Shea that I thought they probably should have played him even more. But he did his job. Three points, had an assist, only took two shots and made one of them. That's totally fine. Um, obviously, he's more of a specialist as an on-ball defender, but he can make threes. And I thought, you know, Nate praised him after the game, and I agree. I, I, I think once they had Aaron Holiday in the second, in the second half, it was much more effective. So good, kudos to him for doing what he's been asked to do in that role. Jalen Johnson, 
six points, eight rebounds, eight, eight big rebounds, I, I would say, for Jalen in this game. Had a block shot as well. Had a nice reverse layup. It wasn't like a huge like highlight game for Jalen. I thought he played. I thought he played well. Um, not like a plus well, but certainly a very solid performance from him off the bench. Edgy Griffin had nine points on two four from the floor and four four at the free throw line. Four rebounds, three assists, two steals, plus twenty two. Uh, you know him and Kongwu were the uh, the plus minus champions in this game. I thought AJ played well again. Um, you know, obviously it's. He, yeah, I know Hawks, been, Hawks fans have betrayed this around the uh, Twitter machine in the last couple of days, but AJ's numbers have been ridiculous all year long. His shooting continues to be just absurd. He had a wide open catch and shoot three that like I would have bet my life was going in and he made it. So uh, yeah, he's just playing very well and doing doing what he's what he's asked to do as well. And then Kongo in his return, again, wasn't spectacular, but eight points, five rebounds, had two blocks and a steal, two assists. Four or five from the floor. He moved the ball well around him, I thought. Uh, the Hawks had some good cuts around him um, in this game. Yeah, three turnovers. That's probably more than you would want from your center. But still, plus 21. And the Hawks did a very, very good job with Trey off the floor in this game. Uh, to the starters. Uh, Capella, 28 minutes, which is the lowest, the low point of the starters. But Capella had 18 points, 10 rebounds, a steal, a block, and 8 of 8 from the floor in 28 minutes. Now he did miss four free throws. That's going to be the Capella experience a lot, but I thought he played well, looked good. Not a great matchup for him necessarily. I mean, on one hand, it's a very good matchup for him on the glass and that the thunder are so small, but on the other hand, he's not like the guy you would necessarily want to play this small switchy thunder team in a lot of ways. So I thought he, he, he played well, so did Kongwu, and they did a good job of mixing and matching those guys because um, as I've talked about, Endlessly, Capella and Kongo are very different players, and the Hawks did, uh, did a good job accentuating their strengths in this game. Uh, Bogey, I thought, had a good game for him in recent days. Uh, defensively, I think he was probably better than usual in this one, but not good. Uh, did have 20 points, though, made four of seven from three. He was kind of due for a good shooting game. And look, it's a very basic analysis to say this, but if Bogey makes shots, you can live with the other stuff. If he doesn't make shots, you can't. And that's kind of, uh, it's very simple, but it also is true. Uh, he, does have some, he does have weaknesses now. Obviously, the defense has fallen off a cliff in a lot of ways. Um, his ball movement has not been great this year, I don't think. But when he makes shots, he has to be guarded, and that's that's very important. John Collins played very well in this game, 19 points, 10 rebounds, had two assists, only one turnover, 7-12 uh, on the floor. I thought he really attacked their zone on the interior a couple different times. Defensively, he and Capella and Okongwu were all pretty good around the rim, uh, trying to cover, cover for, for some mistakes on the perimeter. So I thought he played very well in this game. Uh, Murray, a mixed bag for sure. 21 points, um, three assists, four turnovers. I think all four in the fourth quarter. He had a really, really rough fourth quarter other than the big shot with about a minute to go and the block at the end. So I was made up for some of that with, the, with, the, with that performance. Uh, one of the from three, he's probably due for some come down. I talked about it a little bit earlier in the week and last week. He was shooting at a level that was unstable for him, very obviously. So no one should be surprised that he had a, a cool-off game here. But he was 8 of 11 on twos, and that's a good sign for DeJounte overall. And then Trey. So Trey had 33 points, 11 assists, 5 turnovers. I think he had a couple times when he got a little, a little bit ISO happy, but he had it going, so it's easier to uh, sort of overlook that. And it's kind of weird. You don't often see a lot of games when the Hawks won by five and Trey is minus 11. It wasn't because of Trey, but uh, I would say that it was more encouraging that the Hawks were able to play well without him because, in, like, like I said this before, but in the last few games, they've been getting killed without Trey. And it's obviously a positive to uh, go out and have a performance where they didn't need him to play 48 minutes. He played 35 minutes. He played well. He was effective. He made shots. Uh, good to see him making some threes because I think he made, yeah he missed his first two in this game. At, at that point, he was one of his one of his last 19 from three at, over about four and a half games, and then he made three of his last four. So I never worry about Trey shooting too much, but 
Um, undeniably, his perimeter shooting has been down this year, but he got he got on, he got back on the rails here. Got to the line eleven times. He was efficient, the passing, all that stuff. So not a perfect game for him, but I think he's been playing better defense for sure. I will always tell you when he's not playing well defensively. And look, his baseline is lower than most, but he's been he's been competing defensively uh, for the most part. And I thought he played well in his return to Oklahoma City in this game. So all that said. The Hawks played very well in this game on offense. Not as well on defense, but they did enough in the second half, and they emerged victorious. From here, they will have two days off, including a travel night tonight into Thursday, I'm sure, and then they will play the Clippers at home on Saturday. That is the only home game between now and the trade deadline, which is two weeks away. So the Hawks have one home game in the next two weeks. Tough scene there. Um, the Hawks at the West Coast after that game on Saturday. That'll be a challenging road trip uh, for sure, which we'll cover in depth later on. I am planning to have an- another podcast, some piece of content in between tonight's game and Saturday's game. So stay tuned for that. I'm not sure what, when it's going to be dropping, either Thursday night or Friday, whenever that's going to be. The best way to find the podcast is to subscribe to the show on your podcast platform of choice. So if you are a huge fan of the podcast and want to support the show, I definitely appreciate that. You can follow me on Twitter at BT Rolling. Follow my Patreon work, patreon.com slash BT Rolling. And importantly for the podcast, you can subscribe and download and auto-download across multiple platforms. Also, uh, positive reviews are encouraged, five stars, nice comments, all that fun stuff. Tell your friends about the podcast. That's a huge thing for me. I, I know there are enough Hawks fans in the world where uh, people will not will not have heard of the podcast. So if you know someone who's like kind of offline or whatever, pass this podcast along to them. If they like it, I hopefully will gain a listener. If, if they don't like it, that's okay too. I'm sure it's not for everyone, but I appreciate everyone trying to spread the word uh, on the podcast. And it's been a busy year. We'll have much more coverage coming up in the process. I promise you that. Follow the show on Twitter at Loft on Hawks. You can also find me for mailbag questions. Lots on Hawks at gmail.com is the email address for the show. I appreciate everybody listening. Enjoy this victory. If you are a Hawks fan, we'll have more content coming up later in the week.